Welcome to the new year, 2017. We promised it at the end of 2016 that we'd kick off our 2017 year with um, Skin Trade, a Dolph Lundgren, newer Dolph Lundgren film, uh, and we've decided to follow through. Hmm. Jared, how are you going, mate? Yeah, good. How was Christmas, New Year's? Yeah, very good. New Year's resolutions, mate, that we were going to watch Skin Trade. Already knocked that one on the head. Just going to resort to my, you know, usual standard form of shit for the rest of the year. I was stopped watching shit. Already (laughs) failed it. (laughs) So yeah, that's been broken. Uh, We don't have Gibbo tonight. Uh, He is uh, indisposed, but Mm. uh, he will provide his thoughts on skin trade in coming episodes. I thought the funniest part about that was Gibbo despises our slasher movies, but the reason he's not here sounds like a slasher movie. I was camping and I've got flat tires, so I'm stuck here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so no. yeah, okay. <laughs> Make sure well, hopefully, we'll hear from him in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, just watch out for uh, machete wielding maniacs while you're out there. Uh, no, Gibbo, just tell him to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Leave me, leave me alone, you prick. <laughs> All right, now recently seen. Now it's been three weeks since we dished out an episode, so I've got quite a. Quite an amount. I can imagine. I've got a little bit of everything, uh, including a couple of uh, TV series. Mm. So I, you've I, been you've been off work. So essentially, I have been just, off work. You've just been um, allowing your form to mold in with the couch. For exactly. Weeks, I've just been sitting on the couch for fucking ten days or twelve <laughs> days or whatever it was. But I'm going to kind of run through them pretty quick. There's only a couple I actually want to talk about in depth, and a couple, one of them is homework related. And so I'll just whip through them pretty fast. I'm keeping up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm about halfway through season three. Just recently finished the episode where there's a hostage situation and Peralta decides it's die-hard time and that's crapping on. So it's going along nicely, as per yeah. usual. Uh, I watched the whole first season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, really enjoyed it. I think they got the tone spot on. It basically reminds me very much of Army of Darkness hmm. in terms of tone and, and, and quality. I think the gore's outrageous. I think everybody needs more Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah, and he is piss funny. The gore is just outrageous. There's just blood <laughs> fucking flying everywhere. Excellent. But it's it's great fun, and it's worth it for um, anyone who's a Evil Dead fan. I've, I've watched a lot. The, the, the next two episodes of Frequency. Now, I mentioned a couple of episodes back that the first nine episodes finished, and then basically they had a three or four week break before they unveiled the next episode. And I couldn't find anything online to tell me what the situation was. Had they been cancelled? What was happening? Were they wrapping it up with like a two hour sort of ending? If you look at Netflix, it looks like they've got maybe five more episodes, I think, or four more episodes after the one that I've watched. I'm, it's starting to lose me. It's it's extremely convoluted now. Um, it's jumping back and forth in time periods, and if you're not on the money, <laughs> I've said to my wife repeatedly, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> and it's jumping around all over the place. Like the I'm just key... throwing something out there. Is this, is this your fault? It's is my it... fault. It's my fault, no doubt, because when you had that four-week break, I lost the momentum. Yeah. And so... To me, this probably could have been held for a binge watch if you really mm. want to know where you are. But it's week to week, and I've lost some of that. Yeah. And then they take four, four weeks off. 
Mate, I might as well just yeah. start it again. Because <laughs> yeah, our viewing habits have changed. I, I remember yeah. the same thing. I got into week to week on, on a few shows, but prior to that, my viewing habits had gone completely to binging. So I had the same issue week to week. It's like I was watching a new show. And- exactly. And I probably could have started again to just get back to it, but... You don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> Look, I'm not writing it off. I still think there's enough there and a possible... Well, the execs have, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the studio's already written it off, so why don't I? Um, the bottom line is I think there might be a last, a, a, a decent... There's a, still a twist up the sleeve as to who this this Nightingale is. So mm-hmm. I, hopefully it's 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 a good way to end it, perhaps. Yep. I watched, I went back to some of my, oh, well, I, re- I rewatched The Nice Guys because I bought it on DVD. Loved it. My wife even enjoyed it, which was good. Watched an interesting one that I found on iTunes at a dollar, it was a dollar rental. Yeah. It was called The Caller. It had um, a girl, it had a, a guy who was in um, True Blood. Oh, Not yeah. Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, Moyer, I think, yep. Stephen Moyer. Yep. It was really a really interesting idea. This woman in present day starts getting phone calls from someone who lived in that exact same apartment she's living in from 1975. Mm. And it's got this interesting time travel sort of element. And I kind of liked it. I thought it was interesting. Worth a look, especially at, you know, a buck to hire. It was, it was worth a look. And it actually played out pretty well. It actually had the old lady from Drag Me to Hell in it too. Oh, I don't want to watch it. Then. She's creepy as well. I still remember that bit where she bloody falls on her teeth like, or something like that. <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> her teeth fall out and she gums at the woman. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I watched The Finest Hours on Netflix, which is a Disney, I think, I guess you'd call it a sort of disaster. Mm. Film it has Chris Pine and Casey Affleck and it's got a pretty good cast. Eric Banner, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a little bit sort of a bit repetitive. What they actually did was great, but the story it just was hard to show on on film and a little boring at times. But worth a look. Uh, actually went to the cinema with the the misses and we we saw Edge of Seventeen, mm-hmm. which is a sort of a coming of age John Hughes type. Really, really good. It's definitely worth a look. It's something that you can take the wife to, and, and I really enjoyed it. Woody Harrelson is piss funny in it. Um, so, yeah, check that out if you can. I watched a documentary called Three and a Half Minutes, Ten Bullets, um, about a guy who shot a, a young African-American kid in his car at a, at a service station in 2012 and it's the whole idea of it was all, all took all took place in florida and the whole idea of um the stand your ground law mm. which says that you know if you perceive you're being threatened you can respond with deadly force and it was interesting i went back to some slashes one of my faves my bloody valentine watched that again also watched graduation day now jared when watching Graduation Day, I think, look, being a slasher fan, the 80s slashers lived or died by special effects, basically. Mm. Yeah. And Graduation Day is no better or worse than most of them. It's just that special effects are pierced. <laughs> so you kind of don't, yeah, the, the murders happen and you kind of just like, uh, you know, they don't have any sort of weight like a Friday the 13th or a My Bloody Valentine does. I wallowed in a bit of dreck on Netflix. Hellraiser 
Revelations. Mm. I believe you told me it was filmed or written in two weeks. Is yeah, that correct? Something like that. Uh, it's, it's basically just nah. Like it's not even so bad. It's good. It's just kind of like there. Like it. <laughs> Are you sure? The whole idea of it is they try and shoehorn in some found footage into the Hellraiser sort of situation. Yep. And Pinhead is in it for maybe three or four minutes, I think, in total. Mm, okay. Uh, look, I haven't seen the Hellraiser franchise for a long time. Yeah, it's not one of my uh, it's not one of my big ticket items. But it just kind of came across as exactly as you say, basically whipped together in an effort to keep keep whatever rights they had. So we'll churn something something out direct to DVD and yeah, they'll keep it and then we can continue churning. But the problem is they're continuing to churn out shit. Well, I thought you yeah, just well, that's probably the sad part. You make a movie in two weeks to keep the rights and it's uh, the, the quality is no different to what you normally churn out. <laughs> yeah, you're not even going, we'd better churn this out quickly to keep the rights because we've got this really top-class script waiting yeah. to go. Yep. No, no, you just churn out another turd after that. Yep. Uh, I also watched one uh, with my wife, so I'll give her 50% of the blame. <laughs> it was called uh, American Poltergeist. Your fault. Uh, She's not picking that, is she? It's a film. That's about as far as I'll go. <laughs> The only enjoyment I had out of it was noticing the continuity errors. So in in one particular shot, a bottle of Coke moves about five times. <laughs> but that's about it. Now, like a winner. Yeah, now I'm, these are the key movies I wanted to talk about. I saw um, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm not sure what all the negative... Feelings towards it are, and maybe it's because maybe the negative feelings are coming from the comic book fans or the or the fans of that type of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, look, my feeling is that it was messy, but there were still things in there that were worthwhile. There were still things in there that were quite good. Like a couple of the performances, for example, were really good. A couple of things didn't work out so well. I can understand why some of it copped some flack, but I think it's just become the done thing to lay the boot into DC when actually it's not. I'm not saying it's a great movie, no. but it's, they're not the worst movies that have ever been put out, like they're being portrayed as. I mean, I had this discussion with you after I saw it, Jared, in that it's kind of like a bad, a, a bad football team, so to speak. Whenever a, a, a 50-50 call happens in football, if you're a bad team, it goes against you. If you're one yeah. of the favoured teams, it goes for you. This kind of works... For Marvel and DC. Yeah. Marvel has made some average flicks. Yeah, they have. But, but yet on Rotten Tomatoes, it's probably sitting at 75. Yeah. Because it, most reviewers are going, oh, yeah, it's passable, and that's mm. found that's that's considered fresh. Yeah. Whereas in the DC world, it's oh, it's almost passable, but it's going to slip down into the in the rotten category. Yeah, and, like it makes me laugh. I know there's some issues with the DC universe, but, you know... Um, it wasn't even 10 years ago that we were talking about the greatest trilogy of superhero films being Nolan's Dark well, Knight stuff. it's probably still the greatest still, trilogy yeah. of so superhero like, films. These guys don't know what they're doing when they churned out... I mean, the earlier Batman movies, some of the earlier Superman movies, they've been making good movies for a long time. Yeah, they've stuck a couple of Superman 3s and Batman Returns and Batman... What about sorry, Superman, Batman 4? Forever, <laughs> Superman 4, exactly. Um, and, and Batman and Robin and those sort of ones, but... I mean, Jesus, they've, they've made some real quality too. Um, and people seem to just 
skip over um, Iron Man 2 and, and Thor 2, and, which yeah. are not good movies, you know? They just get a pass because they have done some really good stuff with the other ones. I think it's also that um, Marvel has set up this Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3 situation, mm. and it's all sort of coming to fruition, and it's all sort of showcasing, yes, these guys sat down and they plotted this whole thing out. Yeah. Whereas this DC is- seems to be... Everyone's looking at them going, they're just throwing shit out there left and right yeah. in an attempt to get There's something out there. There's this perception that Marvel will just make anything great. And, look, they've hit some real winners with, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was just a, a throwaway title almost, and, and they turned it into pure gold. But, I mean, they have they have made some misfires too. Some oh. people, you know, people, Iron Man 2 and 3 could be in the category. Personally, I like I like 3, 3 yeah. Some people couldn't handle the twist. And, yeah. Hated it. I loved the twist. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was very funny. It was different. I t- I tell you what, my biggest problem with Suicide Squad were. It's it the thinks jiggling. it's the jiggling. Um, <laughs> the villains were shit. Yeah. Oh, the villains were rubbish. Right. Mm-hmm. And the villains, the reasoning behind the villains was just this big convoluted pile of poop. Yeah. Right. The other problem with it is it thinks it's cooler than it is. Like. I bet you I could just – to be a fly on the wall in the studio and the producers discussing it when at first they were just considering doing it, they would have been sitting around going, this is going to be so awesome. Yeah. But it wasn't as awesome as they thought. Yeah. Like, and I think that hurt. But also I think possibly, Jared, and, you know, you please weigh in on this, but I just don't know if they picked the right directors for the material. That's part of what yeah. has made Marvel so good. James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy worked a treat. Yeah. Um, John Favreau and Iron Man worked a treat. Yep. You know, it's all about putting the right people with the material yeah. to make it what it should be. Maybe Aya w- could have worked. I-, I liked some of what he did. Oh, yeah. I think the script was the one that. Probably needed a bit of tidying up for that one. And really, same goes for Batman vs Superman. There were some real problems with that that, for me, started with the story. But, yeah, I think David Ayer, not so much. Zack Snyder, maybe, because he's had a couple of yeah. couple of cracks at it now and proved, that, to me, anyway, that I think it doesn't really... David doesn't Ayer, really know where he's going with David it. Ayer's style possibly suited the fact that Suicide Squad is a villain sort of film. Because he has that tough talking sort of, you know, yeah. hard, um, gritty style. Yep. So it possibly works better. And I think Aya, you could give Aya another crack and see what he does. Yeah, well, he's I getting another one. I think he would be useful. I think Snyder's run his race, to yeah. be honest. And I haven't seen Batman and Superman, and I will get to that. It's obviously coming to Netflix very soon, so I'll get on that then. But, yeah, look, I, I felt Suicide Squad was all right. Yeah, it was uh, entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. The other one was Don't Breathe. Which I watched with you, Jared. Yep. Look, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the scariest movie of all time. No. And and the the the, the stuff that the dribble they were going on with about it. I mean, yeah, there were jump scares. None of them got me. What I found, what I liked about the first hour was it was kind of um unsettling. Yeah. The the fact that he just appeared suddenly. He couldn't hear. He, he couldn't see them. But he'd appear suddenly as they're walking along, and it kind of sort of we, you know, but. My only problem, and some people had an issue with the end of it, I didn't have an issue with the actual end of it. I just had an issue with one particular sequence. Yeah. That I just, I... I think anyone will see it. Will <laughs> yeah, anyone will sequence. know what I'm talking about, but dear, oh dear. <laughs> they could have just cut that bit out and 
<laughs> no one would have had any problems with any of it, I don't reckon. Yeah, look, I really enjoyed it. The, the first, as you said, the first hour when it's, you know, they're going through the house and trying to dodge the bloke and mm. the, the, the things that they come up with to keep these guys in the house and to get sort of some mileage out of his blindness and it was really, really good, really well directed, really tense, like the tension was ratcheted up. Mm. So I really enjoyed it and, yeah, probably the only bit that really, really dropped things to a fairly low level was the bit that you're talking about too. I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy that. And you actually mentioned on the day that there was a couple of, couple of bits that required too much suspension of discipline. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. And you're probably right in, in that. But you probably could give that a pass yeah. um, considering it, it only happen, really came only to happens, four at the end. Yeah, it only happens really once majorly. Um, and, I mean, you've already watched an hour of a bloke yeah. in a house who's totally blind. Whipping the shit out of three people. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of um, by that point you kind of go along with it. But yeah, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So that was the first one of mine. Yeah. Uh, I actually watched a doco on Netflix called Rats. Ah. It was Morgan Morgan, Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock's doco about. It starts off in New York City, but it sort of goes to other places around the world as well. But. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, it, it sort of loses its way a bit. Like, it didn't hold me for the full full running time. But initially, he's sort of laying out all these facts about rats and he's talking to a, to a um, an exterminator that worked in New York City for 10 years that's rolling on about, listen, we'll be long gone and rats will still be here. They're, they're sneaky bastards. They're, they're smart and all mm. this sort of stuff. But he intercuts it with shots that make it kind of like a horror film. Like, you know, um, rats... Uh, rats next to a camera that suddenly jump at it or something like that that makes it he kind of lays it out like a horror flick early on mm. which is really effective probably loses its way a bit down the stretch but yeah Jesus mate oh, rats bloody hell yeah can steer clear of that um, <clears throat> the other one I got to the cinemas to see Moana with the kids yeah how was that it's good yeah. I thought it was uh, I, I didn't know what to expect because you know you get the formula when you go in for those Disney ones but Oh, I, was, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Looks good, I heard. The rock, looks really good. Yeah, it looks really good. The Rock was a bit of bit of a laugh. Personally, I thought the story was fairly solid. Classic Disney hero's journey stuff, but did the job for me. Mate. Mm, that's what you should be expecting though from that yeah. stuff, shouldn't you? Um, and the other one was Sons of Anarchy coming into the home stretch. Power through one it. season to go. Yeah, really, really like it. You know, the, the only thing I think, and I, you know, I've got a season to to work with. You think the only thing I think might be a real sort of problem for it or it is becoming a problem for me now is uh the bloke that wrote it and created it kurt sutter he's actually married to katie sagel i think Hmm. and i think her character becomes a little bit too involved well she's not too involved like she's heavily involved in the story but it's kind of like at times when you feel like it's time for her to Step back Learn a, a lesson or get a bit of comeuppance and things like that. She doesn't. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like maybe it was, maybe that was related to the fact that she was the creator's wife. Like Maybe. Perhaps they looked a bit more favourably on her than, yeah. But, I mean, like I said, there's a season to go, so I could... Uh, could it, be could right. Be yeah, it could all sort of come there. together. But, yeah, there's parts of it where it feels like she's almost untouchable. Um, and, yeah, it gets a bit annoying at times. But, overall, I really, really enjoy it. Is that everything, man? That's everything, yeah. All right. First movie of the year, Skin Trade. Here's the trailer. 
Two shipments of girls, a month apart. Found in Los Angeles Harbor. Go, go, go. This isn't some random crime. These shipments were highly organized. The girls carefully chosen by a group of very dangerous men. We're gonna make sure that coming to America was the worst decision Victor Dragovich ever made. Skin trades worth billions of dollars. You should have killed me, detective. Sophie's gone. They somewhere in Thailand. Whatever it takes, I'm gonna find my daughter. No one with a heart can do what you do. Not money is still money. Negotiation. No, no, wait, wait. Over. Two thousand and fourteen skin trade. Um, what's the director's name, Jared? Uh, I, I don't know. Man. <laughs> you've got the you got the sheets there. I'm uh, done the wiser. Ekachai Ukrongtham. Ukrongtham. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. He directed Pleasure Factory and The Coffin. Haven't seen either of those. Produced by Dolph Lundgren. Craig Baumgarten, who did Universal Soldier and Nowhere to Run, and Michael Selby. Screenplay by Dolph Lundgren, Stephen Elder, and Gabriel Dowrick. And supposedly there was an uncredited rewrite by John Hames, who did Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. It stars Dolph Lundgren as Nick Cassidy, Tony Jarr as Tony Vitiakel, Michael J. White as Reed, and Ron Perlman as Victor. Budget was nine mil. It made $1,242 at the US box office. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and about half a million dollars in other foreign markets. I mean, that is of... really impressive. So in a country the size of the US, <laughs> you've had, what, a handful of people, a couple of hundred people? 40 people, it? I think. is oh, the. Right. I think that was it, or 60 people or something went and saw it. In 2010, Dolph Lundgren mentioned that Steven Seagal was briefly considered for a part. But there were no would actual have been a documentary talks. if that was <laughs> him, wouldn't it? <laughs> all right, all right, Jared. Yes. Skin trade, mate. Well, general stuff, mate. <laughs> Give it to me. Well, I guess the year can only get better from here. Um, <laughs> we do tell. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, we watched this one because it was popping up on underrated lists, and um, it's probably properly rated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, look, if I was basing it just on the action and the fights, it would be an absolute winner. But unfortunately, I've got to base it on the other 60 minutes. Characters. The the things that were going on there as well, and it didn't quite hold. So I think it's probably about a two-star film. But, yeah, a little bit more of that action and a couple more fight scenes might have ramped things up a bit because they were quite good. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'd probably fully agree there, Jared. It it is a two star film. It kind of feels like a little bit of a, a a lower rent taken. The action scenes are stylish, and the fights actually work. Once they get into the groove, about halfway through, the action scenes are really well handled. And you've got Tony Jar, Michael Jai White, and Lundgren 
all you know reasonable fighters and it all works out really nicely the problem is it's all the stuff around it and there's there's always a bit of a problem when you're you're dealing with a message and this is a sort of a message film a little bit sex trafficking is 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 a big part of it and you know it sort of touches on a lot of that stuff and that is not done very well unfortunately i didn't i hope it wasn't a message well maybe not message but but i guess at the end of the movie they do give you some cigar type no 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 no, basically it wasn't that but that message that that thing at the end was was about the only yeah shoehorn piece in it but it just sort of felt like it was one of those movies that was trying to sort of shed a little bit of light on that stuff. Yeah. And you got to be careful. There's a fine line in action flicks when you're offering messages yeah. or you're shedding light on something yeah. serious. And this does not do it well. As much as I, I really applaud Dolph for his for trying to bring something like this into it. Do you? It, <laughs> I do. I do applaud him for having a crack at something like this. But it, it doesn't, doesn't work in action films, unfortunately. Yeah. And when I when I speak of Taken, the reason why Taken works is because it's simply A to B. Someone took my daughter. I'm going to kick the shit out of everybody I see. Mm. Yes, there's a sex trafficking aspect, but it's basically just it's just tossed aside. To, it's just used to make these guys really, really scummy. Bad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a two out of five. Some more head kicking, and I would have notched it up as an easy three. For my yeah. my liking, the head the, the punch ups were great. Yep. So and, and yeah, let's go straight into the likes. Tony Jar, even though how old did you say he was? I think he's in his mid forties. Mid forties, still a very impressive ass kicker. Yeah. On screen, um, yeah. and I'd say probably in real life, if you could hand you your backside as well. <laughs> yeah. But he j- he just looks so good on screen. Um, because he does all that stuff where he kind of runs up the wall and then comes yeah. in and drops a punch or throws an elbow or something. Yeah, and he does all that close yeah, close quarters work with the elbows and yeah. stuff. It's really up good there. to watch. Like it's he'll really... run up to someone and sort of jump off their knee and elbow him yeah. in the head and stuff like that. I, I, I love that. I yeah. think that looks fantastic. And when you actually got it, it was cool because you got a bit of uh, him against Michael Jai White, who's also, who can also handle himself, but they're very different. And Jai White's a sort of big powerhouse, whereas Jar's like the little... Yeah, the little sort of fast-moving, yeah. jumping around. And, and, you know, you can see the size difference on screen, and Jar's sort of flying around, dodging things, but White's throwing him through windows and stuff. It's like a bit that. the same with Lundgren. Like, that was the same yeah. approach they took between Jar and Lundgren. Lundgren was that Lundgren's the big sort of beast that just sort of yeah. runs through him, tries to sort of belt him that way, and Jar's kind of trying to keep him at bay with the, all the elbows and stuff. And... and those punch-ups are the best part of the film. Those yeah. two fights, the one between Tony Jarr and Dolph yep. and then the one between Tony Jarr and Jai White, they come off really, really well and would not be out of place in a bigger budget action no. flick. They do work out well. I like Ron Perlman. Some people would just <laughs> scoff at me, say, in this film. In this film. But... Perlman's a professional, mate. Yeah. And you get him to do this sort of stuff, and he does it in his sleep. He's in there for a bit of gravitas. I think, for me, that was the problem. He did do it in his sleep. <laughs> in his sleep. Was just, you know, Ronnie was, he was asleep? Ronnie was cutting the paychecks, right? <laughs> cashing them checks. He was... 
Yeah, Ron was keep getting them checks, Perlman. But and it's funny because I've been because uh, I was in the thick of Sons of Anarchy, which could probably be up there with his best work. You then, felt this was a come down? If for ninety minutes, I see him sort of sleepwalking through a Russian accent. <laughs> it was kind of a yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of a come down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I hadn't seen Ron for a while, so I was happy to see him. But you're right in the sense that I think they uh, they did a good job in getting a couple of blokes like him and yeah, a little bit of Peter Weller yeah. to sort of add, a, add a little bit of gravitas in the in the background. Yeah, true. Because as much as I love Dolph, he's not really an actor. He's kind of a bit like Arnie. He's got presence. Mm. Screen presence. He hasn't particularly got great acting skill. Mm. There's a shootout at the docks early on that I think's handled pretty well from a choreography yeah, perspective. It, it goes pretty well. Scene. Uh, and it, it, it sort of breaks up the fact. It actually, what I liked is we hadn't had any, had any sort of ass kicking at that point. That was a nice action scene to kick things off. And then we got to the, the, the head kicking, which we were expecting to get. Yeah, we wanted to see Jar and that. Blue, but they held it back a little bit to give you something to, to sort of munch on later on in the film, which I think ends up working mm. because the film's better in the second half. Yeah, it's it's better. They spend a bit of time doing exposition and, and <laughs> letting us know how bad everyone is and all that type of stuff. Dolph's house getting blown up. <laughs> <laughs> This is in my likes just because it's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> he looks out the window and some dude just steps out behind a car with a rocket launcher. <laughs> and the house is just blown and just blown to see the reeds. Dolph's sort of uh, thick exterior only gets sort of <laughs> slightly, slightly mangled on his yeah, face. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there is a really good scene after they blow up. Dolph's house, and they sort of try and kill him. And dent his cheek a little bit. Yeah, slightly just graze his cheek. <laughs> Briefly, he goes, he, he ends up in hospital, and then he, he comes out of hospital, and he goes straight out and immediately down to a restaurant and just shoots six blokes. <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of laughable, but it just, I guess it shows that he's not really mucking around. You know, it's no. it's pretty full on, it's pretty serious, you know. He comes yeah, in with a shotgun. Was pretty, that was a pretty good scene. Because usually, you know, you'd have soul searching and all this type of stuff, and, you know, but it just sort of cuts to the chase. Yeah. Uh, which is good. That's probably it for me. Uh, yeah. I don't have a lot of, of great enjoy. Like, to really put a put a finer point on it, the, the two fights I'm talking about between those actors are excellent, like really, really good, and yeah. they last for maybe five, ten minutes a piece, and they are top top notch stuff. The director really shows he's got a flair for that stuff, but yeah, just not a lot else. Not a lot else, mate. Not a lot of enjoyment to be had in the exposition scenes and all that sort of business. Well, look. Just getting straight, getting into the dislikes. The opening sequence about the girl getting kidnapped, although I'm sure that kind of maybe it happens like that, you know, and being, so, and being sort of kidnapped into the sex, sex slavery stuff, it just feels really forced and it lacks any real subtlety. It's kind of just sort of sledgehammer kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the major problems with this film, and it's the issue that I'm saying about action films with sort of shining a light on something important. Mm. I think you, um, you, you, 
just flew past my first dislike, which I was laughing at quite a lot, <laughs> was our sort of first sign of trouble. Like when we get the studio logos, and usually we've come to expect sort of, you know, the, the famous lion or horses or things like that. Um, we got the golden elephant <laughs> as the production logo. I thought we were in some shit here. <laughs> yeah, the movie had not actually begun. You were going, we're in some shit. I was expecting to see Langren Productions. <laughs> yeah. yep. This is no disrespect to Dolphin. Dolph, if you're listening, I love you. But the man looks like a bag of shit. <laughs> He's weathered. He's a little like, bit He's a well-worn head. Yeah. <laughs> showing, showing every one of his ears. And the worst part about it is he looks like he's running with a pound of rocks in his <laughs> shoes. Dolph Lumbering. We yeah. took to, to call it. He is certainly lumbering And you know I was reading some trivia about it And he was saying that Tony Jar and Michael Jai White did the majority of their stunts And then the next line said And my stunt man took a bit of a break on this film And I'm thinking Dolph you're in your 50s And I love the fact that you're a a physical guy And you know you're a good athlete But now's the time to have stunt doubles and shit Yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson's yeah, been getting away with it for fucking ten years. The punch-ups, Dolph can can handle a bit of that. Yeah. But the scene when Jar was pursuing him, he'd have caught him within about fifteen meters. The way Dolph was running, he couldn't move. And the, the problem was, they worked around it a little bit by getting Lundgren into a car, and then Tony Jar running along rooftops, yeah, yeah, that was which good. was cool. Mm. Except when he does that unnecessary. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, totally unnecessary a car, flip. Cartwheels <laughs> for no reason during the run. <laughs> couple, of, couple of unnecessary cartwheels just to keep the momentum going. <laughs> um, but other than the cartwheels, the, the rooftop stuff was all right. But then Lundgren gets out of the car, and you should have had a stunt double for that because he he just could he could look like he couldn't move. He was sort of he looked like Robocop. He did a little bit. He did. He was really he was like Robocop. If Robocop had also actually sort of shat his pants as well. <laughs> he had the shuffle going along. Yeah, he had the noted put my pants shuffle going. He he looked he looked just terrible. Like, yeah. and again, I'm not I'm not trying to disrespect the guy, and I appreciate the fact that he's he's trying to do his own stunts. But as I said. Liam Neeson has Some spent ten years making Taken flicks, where he looks like an ass kicker. But Neeson's got the sense to go. <laughs> should we get get the stunt double in there? Yeah. Yes, we should. <laughs> That's what um, they get paid for. Yeah. See, I think Dolph. I mean, part of it. Partly, it's not his fault because the directors should have should have worked around that somehow. Yeah. I would have shot a lot more sort of close um, yeah, body closer and closer up. Don't Although, show no, him. not head. So we just had to shoot his chest. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want his head. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, no, again, no disrespect, <laughs> but the guy hoards houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, look, I think there's a bit of bad, bad plastic surgery there. Is yeah. it possible? I think if you look, a few, um, <laughs> I think, uh, when you've got a bit more of a budget, you put a bit of soft lighting in and things like that. He doesn't look so bad on Arrow. They're a bit light. <laughs> light on Vaseline. Lenses were, yeah. <laughs> lenses were clear. I think he's, uh, yeah, I, 
I just hesitate to blame Dolph for that. He doesn't look good, and somebody should have noticed that and said, "Let's shoot him from you know chin to actually." <laughs> chin to- no. Let's 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 back it up. It's not like he looks bad. He's he's showing that fifty four years. Yeah, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't. And I think possibly he well, went he's for a, more he's of an a idea. grizzled and he's an idea. going from front on with like you said, not showing his whole body because we got him side on. And it showed how sluggish he was. <laughs> he was moving at times, and yeah, and and look, you got to hide that shit. Like ego. <laughs> I understand that Dolph is, is has always been a, a, a very athletic guy throughout his career, but that's all right to 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 cut around that a bit now. Yeah, if you're gonna make these sorts of pictures, you're not. You, you can't age backwards, yeah. Dolph. Like you're well, only shit. getting older. Arnie hasn't broken out of a. You know, a power walk for how long? <laughs> yeah, but Artie hasn't done a lot of running in years. So I just think, I think maybe Dolph went for the grizzled look. <laughs> <laughs> so he went to plastic surgeons. <laughs> give, give us the grizzled look. Give us the boogie man. <laughs> <laughs> he said, give us the grizzled look. And the plastic surgeon said, fucking, it's already been done. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Tony Jarr, great ass kicker. Not much of an actor. No. Unfortunately. Um, and, and it kind of hurts the, I guess you sort of, was it, would you say there was sort of a buddy mentality to this movie in any way? Because they kind of come <laughs> together after about an hour. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call it a buddy. It's not exactly rush hour with, you know, um, with um, (laughs) sex slaves. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like maybe there might have been a little more. It would have worked better perhaps if you had a better actor in that role. Uh, yeah. Or in Dolph's role, for instance. So it's hard to say because Jar was perfect for the action stuff. Yeah. You need to cut down, I guess, on long bits of dialogue, and yeah. I think they did that they for did, the most part. They did that quite well in some parts, but then, yeah, like you said, it sort of limited what they could do with those two characters together. So for an hour, they were just chasing... Jar was just chasing Lundgren. Go, do it, cartwheel. Auditioning <laughs> <laughs> with the US... Uh, <laughs> the gymnastics, also gymnastics team. Um, yeah, I think he... It's hard because it's not really his... The acting's not really his thing, but then, yeah, it sort of limits where you can take the character in a way. So when the character is sort of... It, it probably works to have him in a role like this, whereas mm. Dolph's sort of carrying things along. <laughs> oh, slowly. <laughs> He's jogging along slowly. <laughs> Dolph's sort of carrying things along as the action man. Yeah. Then you've got a couple of those, you know, the, the better actors in the supporting Weller, roles. Weller. Perlman. Um, Perlman. Jai White. Can't remember anyone else. <laughs> but, yeah, like you've got – they do a little bit of the carrying for yeah. a bit there. Joy Jar, White seems when, to have been undercut a little there, bit. They, they, they have to limit the interactions, really. It makes it tough. Yeah. One of my He's biggest problems with someone. the film – quiet. <laughs> one of my biggest problems with the film is there's two parallel stories going on. There's Jar's stuff in Hong Kong mm. and then there's Lundgren in the US and yeah. they don't intersect until an hour in. Yeah. And And, and – and, which wouldn't have been a problem if it happened a bit earlier because they did sort of intersect somewhere. But I think that comes back to what you mentioned before. I think they couldn't intersect <laughs> earlier because then you would have had to, more, had to have more acting. 
as we said, yeah. Ronnie Perlman was on a day off from Sons of Anarchy, so he had limited time on set. Um, Weller is in Sons of Anarchy as well. I think he just got a lift to set for a couple of seasons. <laughs> he, he went with Perlman's yeah. driver. Peter Weller's in the car with me. You want him to jump on? Oh, yeah. yeah right. I think the movie is summed up in one line of dialogue for me, and this is the part of the problem with... As I say, I'm not going to. I'm going to steer away from using message, but you know, pointing out this, these things in an action film is when Perlman's arrested. His lawyer says brings up the serious issue of possible human rights, and Weller's response is, "Human rights? You're lucky I don't poke your fucking eyes out." <laughs> and I'm just thinking, yeah, this is possibly the issue with this movie. Yeah. The movie is saying that sex slavery is not good. Yeah. But the best way to Obviously. defeat it is to kick the shit out of everybody. So fight violence with violence. Yeah. It's like it, look, it's not on, it's not on par with uh, it's not on par with a uh, on deadly ground or anything like that. No, no, of course not. Um, it's, it's not spooky, it's spooking like that. Yeah, it's trying to put <clears throat> it's trying to put something out there. Um, it's trying like, to put Pillman's Pillman's best bit of work though is when they opened the shipping container and to, a shipping container full of people that have died. And Pillman's expression looks like somebody's dropped their guts. <laughs> <laughs> He's just <laughs> he's like in a, in a trying to put you know the oh yeah this is the a smell it smells yeah. it he sort of just looks casually sort of inconvenienced as if someone strolled past and dropped one <laughs> <laughs> one of his bloody henchmen has dropped their guts but yeah like that's why I say it's really really difficult to make an action film with either a message or a or to shine a light on a serious issue you know I, I look at a lot of I mean, I can't even think of an action movie. The only one I can think of that potentially does it reasonably well is something like Blood Diamond, mm. which brings up a, a fairly major issue. But First Blood was all right. First Blood, it, it's sort of because um, it covered sort of PTSD and Vietnam yeah. and all that. Yeah, but something like Blood Diamond did it pretty well, and yeah, I guess First Blood did too. But but it's not the medium. Yeah, to say violent. Because Blood Violence Diamond wasn't women. Even really an action movie. Not really, it but it had those. A, it did more. have some action elements to it, I guess you could say. Yeah. But is this it, is sort of saying violence against women. Best way to solve it is violence against everyone. You yeah. know, like, and and don't get me wrong, I'm 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 not offended by that or anything. I'm just saying it's a hard sell. Yeah. It's a hard sell to people with it that. Is. Because remember, even when Rambo. Well, you can't take we, 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 There was nothing about it we could take seriously because we were. Too distracted by cartwheels and, and, <laughs> and sort of bad chase scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's hard to sort of sell the seriousness of it all. Yeah, and any time, you know, rocket launches blowing up bedrooms, but only sort of mildly <laughs> damaging Dolph's beautiful glistening exterior. <laughs> i tell you what really underwhelmed me. There's a helicopter crash at the end. Mm. That was a real underwhelming situation. <laughs> that thing didn't even blow up. <laughs> and, yeah, when you're at the end of the picture, it's an action movie, you should have the biggest explosion in history. Yeah, of course. You should blow the whole place up. Yeah. And the effects were digital. Like, we noticed that <laughs> quite clearly, so I don't think it would have cost you too much to pretend to blow the helicopter up. Possibility of a sequel, which is never going to appear. That's I'm, I'm counting on it. <laughs> Dolph's taking a gamble. It's it's failed. You don't you don't whip in a, a sequel to me or put a possible sequel in to a film like this. I think you should have wrapped it up. Well, when you made twelve hundred at the box office, 
<laughs> yeah, that's twelve hundred, not twelve. I'm sure you're sort of thinking about it. <laughs> I think you should have wrapped it up. Yeah, well, it, it seemed... just left a lot of threads hanging. Yeah, it seemed. I mean, we were watching it, thinking this is a bit presumptuous. And, <laughs> <laughs> and when the dollars came back in, yes, it certainly was presumptuous. <laughs> I'm hoping Dolph's not pushing for a, a second film. Yeah. Because I don't well, think it's got those kind of legs. I don't think it's got the legs. I don't think he's got the legs. <laughs> <laughs> we know damn well he hasn't got the legs. <laughs> you know, there, there was one big dislike for me, and I think it's it's tied in again with, um, as you said, the, the subject matter that they were trying to deal with and how they were trying to deal with it. Mm. But Dolph in recent years has, thanks to the Expendables, He's got a bit of a comic touch. He has. He can get you a couple of laughs. I'll be checking out Kindergarten Cop 2. Of course. um, (laughs) I think they missed, like, if you had have taken, you know, these could have still been the bad guys. This movie could have been changed very slightly to take out the sort of sex trade stuff. Still had Tony Jar, Jai White, still had the, you know, going into a bit of spoilers, still had Jai White sort of flipping, yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Everything could have been, the frames could have stayed the same, but it could have just been your more run-of-the-mill action vehicle, get a little bit of humour from Dolph. Um, I think it would have been better. Well, Jared, you're spot on. The bottom line is the action, the fight sequences were so well done that... Who gives a shit it was, if it was some random lethal weapon type of rip-off? Yeah. Who gives a crap? What you had is Jar and Lundgren together. Yeah, and the thing is you had, um, I mean, you have that. You have a little bit of Dolph cracking some gags to keep the interest running in between. You've still got the Perlmans and the Wellers. Like, yeah. could have. I think maybe the more we talk about it, maybe you're right. And the fact that they tried to go with some sort of heavy-hitting material really... Mess things up. They went for the revenge flick. Now, Dolph has um, gone on record to say he reckons he, he wrote this or this was written pre-taken. Mm. And maybe it was or maybe it was drafted around that time. I don't know. But once again, Taken worked because it was very simple, very – and, look, it was scuzzy too. Mm. But these guys were all scumbags and Liam Neeson was going to kick the shit out of all of them. The other thing is – Neeson, Neeson can is a far better actor, so he can growl a bit of that bullshit, and we'll we'll get behind it. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. twice. <laughs> but because Dolph's not a very good, not not the greatest actor, and neither is Tony Jaa. Here you are trying to sell this mess, this um, this this issue of sex slavery. Did Neeson have a stunt cock? <laughs> he doesn't need a stud cock, does he? He's old fellas, he's stunt up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Taken works because it, simpl- it simplifies the whole thing. This didn't work because I don't think they took the best of their, you know, they, they didn't take what their strengths were. No. And the strength was Jar, the punch-ups, and those types of things. Yeah. Just get rid of all that other shit. Yep. Because I think, you know, Lundgren as an action man is passable. He's not an actor. No. But he's um, got but presence. The, he's the, screen yeah, presence. he's got a bit of good. presence. And he's kind of funny. Like, some yeah. of the best parts of the Expendables movies are his, his, his jokes. Yeah, exactly. You know, blowing the bomb up and it not working and things like that. Like, he was actually very funny in that. He was. And I, I, I like the fact that in the Expendables he's got more of that... 
character, not character, but he's got a lesser part, but gets to do a few funnier things. Yeah. When he headlines a film, I just don't know whether he's got that kind of touch mm. um, as an actor. And, and, and in the end, that hurts this a little bit. I've, that's pretty much me, Calvin. Yeah, I think that's uh, got it all. Fairly well covered there. Two yeah. out, two, look, two out of five sounds harsh because there are things that I liked, but it's just, it's just there's not enough of it. Yeah. Another, another ass-kicking in the first ten minutes would have nicely sort of perhaps spread it out a little bit better. Yep. Okay. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Our first episode of 2017. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook, Thrillme Podcast Australia, or on Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Our next movie will be 1993's Leprechaun, Jennifer Aniston's first movie. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.